This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Christian Finkbeiner and Letty Whiterock. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. And if you can't, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that absolutely needs to keep Sybil from meeting her past self. This is I've never agreed with anything more. This is season episode. <laughs> this is season eight, episode six, covering the arrival on past Milsha in Xenosaga episode three. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and my pronouns are he, him, and with me today is Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. Matt Marcus, he, him. Happy New Year's, motherfuckers. I hope it's bad for you. Happy New Year's, losers. <laughs> we're recording this on the first, so we're all hungover. I, well, most of us are probably hungover. I don't, don't you, drink. Why don't that's, you what also, I, that's why I corrected myself. <laughs> I don't drink either. Why don't you also give them what year yeah. it is in the exact time we recorded this? <laughs> Look, we do that with like half of the things we mentioned that happen on the internet. Look, it's fine. It was very funny last year because I got so far behind. Someone tell me what happened last episode. The gang went on an expedition at the floating landmass in order to rescue the Elsa. They eventually arrived at what appeared to be someone's tomb, an area that resembled Cosmos' subconscious domain. Suddenly, Telos and the Red Testament, revealing himself to be Roth Mantell, appeared, setting Cosmos and Telos in a 1v1 battle which our blue-haired maiden lost handily. As Shion screamed at the sight of Cosmos being curb-stomped to death, her pendant lit up and the entire landmass, party and all, was consumed in the light. Suddenly, Shion is in the frame. It's nighttime. We're in an apartment, and uh, she is wearing an oversized button-down shirt and no pants. And then Kevin is entering the scene, and he's got no shirt on. And it's like, okay, this mm-hmm. is... they mm-hmm. They just fucked. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. You got God, you got two okay. empty uh, wine glasses too on the table. Yo, why does yeah, Kevin so, have pants and not just underwear? Equal opportunity. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> they only have what, one outfit see the, between them. I yeah. mean, you can see those abs. Mm-hmm. So their pillow talk is so funny because she's looking up at the night sky. Shion's looking up at the night sky, and she's just like, "Oh, it's so beautiful out. It's amazing to think that, like, in this vast night sky, there are hundreds of planets being devoured by Gnosis, and we just can't see them. And, like, it's it's very, like, like post-coital Fermi's paradox because they're talking about like being alone in the universe and then like the Gnosis coming to maybe punish us or maybe remind us that we're not alone and Shion's like Grandpa always used to say that maybe our eternal purpose is to perish Um, Kevin's like that's nice I have something you could devour like a Gnosis yeah Uh (laughs) oh man 
When you nut so hard, you question your existence. When you nut so hard, you turn into a pillar of salt. <laughs> oh, man. Good when, you nut, when you nutted, but she's still referencing the Sephiroth. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's also, it's just like, Shion is like, maybe the Gnosis is the universe itself rejecting us. And Kevin's like, maybe we're the ones rejecting the universe. She's like... <laughs> She's like, did you build Cosmos to take revenge or out of penance? And Kevin's like, well, either way, Cosmos is hope to me. So the pair of them discuss how they both came from planets. Also, the fact that they are just post-coital and we know that, like, you know, they're not a thing anymore because Kevin is quote-unquote dead means we know that this is the past. So the pair of them discuss how they both came from planets ruined by the Gnosis. And then Xion gets existential for a second. And I thought, oh, great, we've dealt with transhumanism, we've dealt with nihilism, we've dealt with Gnosticism, maybe we're going to deal with existentialism. And then it turns out to be for, like, JRPG amnesia plot reasons, why she's like, why am I here? What is my purpose? And the purpose ends up having a concrete answer instead of being an exploration of philosophy like the other stuff. Anyway. So suddenly we are in FMV vision and Kevin uh, puts the pendant around Xion's neck and we learn that it is one his mother gave to him as she died. And then the database will update to just say it was given to Kevin by his mother. (laughs) Very good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So this version of past Kevin shows potential regret for the path that he's walking down. And he's like, hey, the path I'm walking down may be a mistake, but will you walk it with me? And then they embrace on the moonlight and we cut away. And this is like a surprisingly tender and romantic scene for a PS2 era JRPG. I thought they did good here. Yeah, but also they're such fucking dorks. It is also very funny. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it is continuing the thing last episode with the, uh, the dinner out in the park being like, this is where there's a very human touch. But uh, also, I've figured out the episode art for this episode, and it's going to be, uh, he just nutted in me, and then he went back to working on his gynoid. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Hilariously, I actually didn't put that in the notes this week. (laughs) I know that, because I already control f for it. (laughs) Yeah, you you look for the one part where I wrote, you're welcome, huh? (laughs) But then, from there... We suddenly cut to Udu in the Gamer Void asking Xion if she feels happy. Xion, was it good for you too? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, the Wave Existence is asking if this memory is a pleasant one. And Xion says she finds comfort in it and she wishes she could be in a moment like that forever. And it's really effective here that, like, they're trading off the lines where you go over and over and then. Shion would repeat over and over in, like, a reverie. Like, the actual Mm. acting in it is very good here. Yes. it. Yes. You can absolutely feel like Udu is touching and affecting Shion here, the way that that, like, call and response and repetition happens. Yeah. Uh, But unfortunately, so I liked that scene. It was a good delivery, but also I just kept thinking of me and you and everyone we know, those two people pooping back and forth forever and ever. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's the, well, I don't want to use the word thrust now that you said <laughs> that, but the, the thrust of the conversation here is that, yeah, Xion and the wave existence are like, yeah, I'd love to live in that 
moment forever, eternally, over and over. But she turns it around and says, unfortunately, she knows she has to wake up. And uh, when she does, she finds herself on the floor of the world's worst bar, a.k.a. a forest. The This is just for us, and you can cut this out, but the moral of the last scene was that nutting in space moves the human race backwards. <laughs> mm, there you go. <laughs> I, I think that's just about every nutting joke that we could, like, squeeze into uh, <laughs> this episode. Oh, uh, God. I'm going to start calling orgasms being invoked. Oh, there no. you go. <laughs> consuming the universe. Oh, God. Uh, well, we now gain control of Xi'an, and to her left, if you go down the little path there, there are a couple of places where you can save and do some shopping. It's surprisingly far, like far enough to make you think it's the critical path. Right. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. also, there's a structure there. There's like a door to what looks like some type of bunker, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. locked and you can't get in. But I thought... Yeah, I had a, like a moment here where it's like which direction? Like I went a screen one yeah. way, and then I went the screen the other way, and then I went. Then when a cutscene happened, I went back the other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, in this area, you know, you could save, you could do some shopping. I don't think there's a UMN, UMN plate where you can go back into the back no. of the past or anything. It's just yeah. a shop. It's just yellow and blue. Yeah, yellow and blue. And uh, there's a bunch of uh, hidden bushes in the area, which, uh, you really have to look to find, like, this isn't like where you see like a, a rock on the side of the, you know, path and you go, I can blow that up. You really have to like hump the walls in order to find this. And there's like several layers of bushes before you mm-hmm. hit an item. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's some treasures in this area. And, uh, one of the particularly handy ones is the D treasure ES accessory, which gives you the rare drop plus accessory for free or accessory skill for free. I'm not sure if it's here or if it's immediately post like party cutscene. I think, okay, no, it's post party cutscene that we're about to talk about, but one of the treasure chests, we do these carnelian birds so dirty. We have to like blow up four bushes in a row and then blow up the nest itself and then blow Uh up all of the eggs. We're just like that. Mama Carnelian is going to come back and is going to be so upset. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't blow up the eggs. You collect the eggs and sell them. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Is this how you get to that one in the middle of the tree I couldn't find out how to get to? Oh, no, no, no. There's a different, there's a different, that's a different one. There's one Mm -hmm. where there's a nest up in a tree, but you're talking about the one over the uh, waterfall? Yeah, there's the one in the middle on the side closest to the camera I couldn't figure out how to get to. Right, Mm. so like, yeah, like the thing about that one is that there are three branches in the way and you have to go down one of the side branches and select the correct targets to hit. Uh, if you hit the first target that it targets, you blow up the whole branch and it drops. Mm-hmm. That's what I did because I, I like blowing yeah, stuff yeah. up. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I did the first time. And then I thought, oh shit, am I going to lose that forever? Is it going to show up somewhere else? Then I realized, oh, I could just go back a screen come back and the chest is there <laughs> again mm, right. uh, so yeah so yeah you have to like manually switch targets to hit like two or three branches that are in the way without blowing up the branch itself yeah Ugh. this episode rules because you have so much mechanical fun in it uh-huh <laughs> so we keep going deeper in the forest and then junior just do does what junior does and drops out of a tree <laughs> and points a gun in Xion's face <laughs> too <laughs> it's just the most junior shit since that time yeah. he shot the cable in episode one. Uh, 
uh, immediately Momo and Cass go, what are you doing, my guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then Jin just also shows up. And Ziggy is there, and Ziggy being in this tree is incredible because my man weighs like at least a ton. Uh, they yeah. just drop out of the mm-hmm. tree there. Everyone just hanging out in a tree except Shion. Mm-hmm. And like they weren't that far away, they probably could see her <laughs> lying there on the floor of the forest. Yeah, and probably didn't need to ambush her. Well, look, shooters got to shoot, and Junior is a shooter. Junior is definitely a shooter. Junior confirms that the party was caught in a warp transfer, but they don't know to where yet. Oh, and nobody can find Cosmos or the Elsa crew. Continuing on, you'll fight some random Utic goons, and it's very fun. This is the point in the game where you probably realize the EP cap isn't 99 anymore, and you have so much wiggle room for spellcasters. Shion has like 140 by the end of this episode. It rocks. Mm-hmm. There's a good accessory in the woods here, the hero's bracelet that cuts all fire and ice damage in half. And finally, you reach the top of a nearby hill, and then... You thought you were free, but it turns out Labyrinthos, the place we blew up on old Milsha, which was also blown up, well, it's right over the edge of the forest. No! Mm -hmm. Ziggy's looking at it and he goes, we have got to be at least... 15 years in the past because this place was damaged during the conflict and that skyscraper is pristine. Everyone is incredibly uneasy about this statement because uh, what could fling us back in time, they say. Okay, so in the undub version, I'm not sure why the translation is necessarily different, but the way it comes off in the undub version, it's like they're saying like, oh, but we can't be in the past because every time we've been in the past before, we've been diving into somebody's memories and we're not in anybody's memories, so we can't be in the past. So this is something different and weirder, which kind of threw me. But yeah, I guess it's not that. And everyone was just being like, you know, ignorant. Oh, but like, okay, they explain that they got shrunk to like Planck scale, right? Like that ends up being the sciencey explanation for it. That's what Mary something. and Shelley suspect later. Yeah. The, the funny thing about it is the way they explain what's actually going on later on just fucking is the most bullshit pseudoscience thing in this series that I've seen so far. I can't wait to hear because mm. I forgot already. Uh-huh. Unbeknownst to the party, but pointed out to the player because extra dialogue boxes always draw your attention, is Chaos is going all Golgo 13 five dots during this scene. The discussion's making him pretty nervous. Mm -hmm. If you keep walking on the log bridge from the Secret of Mana opening, you will find the Warrior's Bracelet having lightning and beam damage on folks. And when you see the save point... Head south immediately under that waterfall. It'll take you on a path to unlock EX Skill Key 1. Oh, rocks. Just possessing this will unlock EXA through EXD for every character's skill lines, and these tend to be ways for you to give them wildly off-brand skills. Want to give a warrior some healing spells? It's probably here. Want to boost Shion's strength and ether attack? Go for it. Make her a fucking fist fighter. You're right, I do. I just want to press the attack button and be done with the battle. <laughs> So, like, before we get into the next bit of plot, I just want to shout out that the music in this, it's like, you know, 
a lot of JRPGs of the era have a kind of linear forest path dungeon. This linear forest path dungeon, way more fun than the one in Xenosaga 2 that you have to repeat and has the different seasons. This one uh, is it goes down easy, but also I really like the music here. A and it lot. doesn't have that war crime of a puzzle that I'm still mad about. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to yeah. mention the log puzzle. There, there's no puzzling happening here. Right. The and the the some of the <laughs> You the, say that, like, but I missed the treasure chest by being too dumb. Okay. Right, yeah. No, the like, environmental uh, puzzle of uh, this version of the log puzzle, because it is where you get you manipulate a log to get a treasure chest, <laughs> is more fun. <laughs> okay. Love Chris, to manipulate the log. I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna warn you, you can't blow up everything in this game. If you are doing well, this I'm in bet. our next re- if you are doing <laughs> this in our next recording session. You are going to kill a child and have to restart a puzzle. Hell yeah, <laughs> let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, look, you're talking to the guy who shot a person in the face in Halo Reach immediately just to see what would happen. <laughs> what happened? Oh, you immediately die also. It's very funny. Like, the second okay. the bullet leaves your gun, you both fall over and then it reloads your save. Nice. Amazing. So gunfire will be heard over the ridge, sweeping the party into a cutscene. There are combat realians who are menacing someone that we immediately identify, but the party cannot make out from their hiding spot. It's Lieutenant Virgil. Hell uh, yeah! But, you know his face is not covered in uh, weird addict scars now. After combat, he'll try to warn you off. And, you know, he thinks we're enemies and he doesn't understand why we know what his name is. But then he passes out from his injuries. It's so weird here that, especially after all the realian, like pro-realian stuff in episode one, that the first thing we do when we show up is just murk these two realians. Yeah. To save Lieutenant Virgil. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. who's an asshole and becomes like a freaking immortal asshole. Right. Well, and that's they even talk about that because so like the party very briefly debates the ethics of helping someone who's tried to kill them repeatedly. And they're like, wait, but doesn't he become a testament? Like, why should we? And Shion is like, no, we have to at least patch him up. We can't just leave him to die. It's so funny to me that Virgil is like Shion's char. It's very good. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. You're right. (laughs) You're right. <laughs> oh my god. It's just this rude asshole who eats other guys. <laughs> uh, blame it on the misfortune of your birth, Uzuki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? In the boss fight, he basically does just say, I came here to laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He does. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's like amazing. we said last like we said last episode or like two episodes ago this really is becoming a mecha show mm-hmm. <laughs> like a mecha property yeah yeah finally yeah. so at this point virgil becomes the first person in our guest slot in the party on the menu here is where the carnelian eggs are where we like blow three branches in a row up to reveal a hidden path and then just like take these poor eggs further down the path we see another familiar face, uh, Fibronia, the realian that Shion knew and who was like speaking to her in dreams and, you know, who we freed from, you know, cyber prison. Also, no, I no, guess. Her shot. We, we freed the sisters. Mm-hmm. So 
like she's kind of like wandering through the forest and she's like, wait, Feb. And so with Virgil's condition worsening, Shion goes, if that's Feb and we are where I think we are, then there's a church just ahead. Let's patch him up there. Did anyone use Virgil? I didn't even notice that you could. You can't. Oh, oh in oh, this he, section? He's, you can't? Oh, he's, so he's in the guest slot, but not like a usable guest slot. Yeah, the guest right. slot is people who are not party characters. This is oh, the first mm-hmm. time we've had one of these NPCs. Really? Yeah, I thought that, Alan? like, Alan was in there at one point. I don't think Alan game. was in there prior. Well, he ends up in it sometime this Yeah, he will be episode, there, yeah. but I think Virgil is the first one to take No, that, that was the last the game where we were in the, um... No, yeah, it definitely happened the Wuglindi, in two. The Wuglinde space. Yeah. So, the church is just where they expected, but Shion failed to mention that it was the church that was in Cosmos' subconscious domain that was in ruins, which... Reminder was actually something that came from Shion's subconscious, but we're not going to dig into that right now. I guess uh, put a pit in it. Mm -hmm. So they bust in seeking sanctuary. I see what you did there, Sybil. But nobody responds. Nobody but baby Shion. With the glasses. With the glasses, which blows everyone's mind. They just call her young girl here Mm -hmm. uh, in all lowercase. Which means you could probably guess that the young man who begins acting like a huge dick is someone that we also know, and it's extremely obvious who it is. Completely proving that negging the target is in fact correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, here's, uh, let's not be quiet, this is Kevin. Yep, right. It's clearly Kevin's model just made younger, and the thing is, I didn't realize there was such an age gap. Between oh yeah. Well, well, here's yeah. the thing. It's a big age gap when you're young, but it is pretty small when you're older. But like, yeah, she... that's true. But it is it is creepy that like her mentor and someone who was like in his twenties when she was like eleven or twelve, um, and like knew her as a child, then becomes her lover. There is something. Uh, very icky about that. I'm not sure if the game is intentionally communicating that or not, but it made me feel icky. And then, you know, when we know how much of a manipulative and duplicitous piece of shit Kevin is uh, later, it's like, well, okay, I see it. I was busy being blown away by how rude Kevin is. As an, extremely, is so rude. Yeah. As an extremely rude guy who somehow got married, it is still <laughs> baffling to me how rude Kevin is. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a lot that this scene alone kind of blows up for me. Like, it it doesn't really compute. And that's part of it is that, yeah, we haven't seen Kevin. Every time we've seen Kevin, he's always been very thoughtful or very, you know, ponderous and had, like, big ideas and is idealist. And here he's just like, man, fuck this situation. Fuck all this. We're going to get in fucking trouble. Like, what are you assholes doing here? I don't want to do anything for this guy. He deserves to die. Yeah. And we're like, is this the same person? Mm-hmm. Did Virgil actually eat a guy or did he get the thing from the organ transplant? Well, that I, I think, think both. The, the, this is, so this is, all right. This is the fucking whole thing about this little flashback is that it's like, very deliberately recontextualizing things that we kind of learned from Xenosaga 1 and being like, it's not actually how you think it happened. But also, it seems like, I mean, we're probably jumping way ahead on this, but like, it definitely is an alternate timeline, alternate universe thing, because 
we do later see like Xion has the dream of her memory of the scenario and it's a different thing. Like they're not present in it at all. And she mm. comments that they're not present in it at all. So this is just like an AU <laughs> where mm. they showed up in the scene out of time and affected that whole, or like we're part of this conversation because yeah, a lot of that doesn't make any sense. Um, sure. But otherwise. a lot of the same things still happen, right? Like Kevin is still sure, a huge yeah. dick. He's still creepy. <laughs> and Virgil still gets the organ transplant. Okay, so right. what you're all forgetting is that he started doing the auto-cannibalism that gave him those scars in the Milshin conflict. We'll find right. out that's like a week away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very we're very close to the Milshin conflict here. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. So it could be related to, but I, I thought that's why he ended up eating the organs was a survival thing in the conflict. Like he had to do it because there was no food yes. or something. Yeah. It's also wild that we find out through his jerky complaining that in this version of the world, Kevin and Fabronia are aligned with Utic and not the Federation. Yeah, yeah. The age gap thing in particular is not just the personality, but also the age gap thing is very confusing to me because insofar as we've seen Kevin and Sheon, I thought they were roughly the same age. Yeah. After meeting Kevin now, the way he is when he's at Roth Mantel makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And like, but it also of means... Of course he would be a Utic guy. <laughs> right. But, like, does that mean... This raises so many questions for me. Like, did he change his personality and his outlook just because well, he fell in love with Xion? I think the no. answer is yes. No, no. to me, that comes no. off as manipulation the whole yeah. time on behalf yeah. of the Testaments. It was a facade the whole time. Well, that sucks. Uh, well, because the, the thing you, is, we you have this liked whole question. Kevin before this. No, I didn't. But like, okay, at least he, sh he showed some kind of. I mean, like the the most I could have said against Kevin that I could any recall in any way is that like he has these very weird gender essentialism thoughts about women being healers and all that shit. Yeah. But beyond that, like, also the he conversations a robot he was horny for. I mean, sure, but also <laughs> like. The thing with the conversations that we've heard before, which is the, especially the the cryptic ones between Chaos and Nephilim, where they're talking about like, oh, one person is hinging all of humanity's existence on making one person happy. And my conjecture is that they're talking about Kevin trying to make Xion happy. Like, oh, goodness. Xion being the center of this narrative and like. Everybody, like, all the evil people are like, let's see what Xion does. Or, like, all of this hinges on Xion. I think you're half right. And yeah, my, exactly. re my reading of that is that it's Cosmos and Xion, which is why the Udu, like, the Udu face-off thing is such a threat. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. It, I, it has never crossed my mind that that one person would be Kevin, ever. And also, yeah, I just... Also, because everyone thinks he's dead. Well, everyone okay. thinks he's dead. And also... The testaments that we have learned the backstories of so far, which are Virgil and Voyager, both of those people are fucking bad people. Like, Virgil is more complicated right. than Voyager, but, like, you know, fucking Wilhelm isn't out here converting, like, good-ass people to becoming testaments. Mm. Yeah, well, Ryan didn't Albedo, say Albedo's a forget bad guy. Interesting. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, well, now we know Kevin's a bad guy. Mm. Like, like, okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> Let's just go over what we now know, because I think you're also overlooking something wild that comes of this revelation. Uh-huh. In a few days, 
the Milshin conflict is going to happen. We know Fabronia dies in it. We know Kevin doesn't. This means that Kevin gets Operation Paperclipped over to Vector and the Federation after this. Mm-hmm. Ah! Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh. also, we know when he becomes a testament because we know when he dies canonically. Right. Yes. So yes. he's not a testament at this point. He's just a teenage asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big teenage asshole energy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I wonder how they're going to square that circle between what we're seeing of Kevin now and what we've seen of Kevin just in the flashback earlier, like, five minutes ago when we were talking about it. We just told you. And I know, I know. No, no. No, uh, yeah, but they don't, they're not explaining that. Like, we can we can say that, okay, that feels like a front, but it hasn't really presented all, like, you know what I mean? There's still, like, a disconnect there in the way they've presented it to us. And I'm curious how they're going to try to explain. If they just come out and say, I was lying to you the whole time, and then we go, oh, well, we kind of knew that already. Well, here's the other thing. You ever wonder why there's such a gulf between Xion and Jin at times when they grew up together until the conflict? Jin was old enough to realize how many people in and around his life were working for Utic and the shit they did, like Dad, and Xion was just like, I'm a child. Mm-hmm. This Dad thing is weird to me because without the the other games, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, the Dad plot point is a thing that uh, is not very well set up in the previous two games. You're right. Oh, it's set up in that dumb book that no one read. (laughs) Yeah, if you're in the West, this is just completely new to this game and never was hinted at. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Fabronia comes out and says that they can hide Virgil in the back room and care for him, and the young man says that it's moot because the guy's gonna die, but fuck it. Have fun. So Virgil is in very terrible condition because the nanomachines cannot heal him enough to survive. He needs transplanted organs. And luckily, in a move that, like, we hadn't been shown before, like, nobody explained this, Fibronia is a template designed by Mizrahi for next-gen realians, and her body composition... Did we? Yeah, Fibronia is when they started becoming, like, Blade Runner guys instead of, like, robots. Well, but we didn't know, we didn't know the purpose of like, you know, that part of the reason why Mizrahi designed them to be Blade Runner people is so that they could basically be, you know, help humans by giving of themselves. Oh, sure. We didn't know that they were the giving tree. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or uh, the island. So the beach. No, no, I'm thinking the he island. He means the island, movie. the one that was a ripoff of Clonus, the parts horror. Oh, okay. Or parts the Clonus horror. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So her body composition is 99% identical to humans, and so they should be able to transplant her organs into Virgil to help Virgil survive. And she says, if I suspend my functions, I can survive for seven hours without issue. I just need to return to Labyrinthos in that time to regenerate them. So <laughs> they literally are organ farms. God, it's so fucked up because we know what's going to happen to Labyrinthos. And so there's just this like heavy pall over all of this. But okay, two things. First is 
in this way, it completely recontextualizes the relationship between Virgil and Fabronia in the same yeah. way that the Kevin reveal recontextualizes the Kevin and Sheon relationship because it's like, damn, okay, so if this DME addict also, like, fell in love with a Realian, that's wild. Oh, turns out that the Realian, like, you know, gave him some kidneys, basically, before he even knew who she was. That's also deeply weird. The second thing that I want to say real quick is that, like, Xenosaga episode three gets real sloppy with questions of sapience, humanity, and transhumanism after, like, you know, Xenosaga one and some of the side material has really dug into it and wondered about some, like, really heavy philosophical questions regarding, you know, both the sapience of artificially created people and also, you know, transhumanism in general. And the way this scene is framed is just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, it's a settled issue, organ farms. And I know that everything in this scene is supposed to be framed as though it's, like, wrong, you know? And so maybe mm-hmm. maybe it'll go somewhere with it, but right now I was just like, oh shit, okay, uh, she's an organ farm. That's well fucked up. The problem with that in Xenosaga 3 is that Xenosaga 3 is rushed to finish all of the ancient aliens type shit. Mm. Yes. And they don't have time for all that other stuff. Right. I will mention uh, from some notes I got from a former localizer for this game. They said this was the point where they didn't really have a story Bible or things to refer to. And it was very clear everyone was flying by the seat of the pants whenever they asked questions about <laughs> terms. So it's it's not the localizers. It is straight up. The people who were in charge were just hucking shit at the wall, and they needed someone to order it up in a way that looked almost like a game-sized sculpture. Got it. Yeah, I'm just surprised that Fabronia got it in on Virgil before Virgil got it in on Fabronia. You know what I mean? Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta say, by the way, I love that the little dumb side door to nowhere is here and you still have to unlock it from the inside and it doesn't go anywhere. It <laughs> uh-huh. serves no yeah. purpose. Big fan of that. The, the side door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even go to the back room. It's a side door to the one with the main door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the aftermath, Little Xion asks if the party came out of the green ship down by the cave. And Chaos and Xion both presume, well, it's our best lead, so let's go check it out. But before they can do so organically, the young man busts in and says, look, my dad. (laughs) Sorry, that was a joke for me. (laughs) Look, my dad, the UTIC organization is going to show up any minute and he can't know I have a party here, so take yours and go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they got to get the fuck out. They do 
specifically get Xi'an to name herself Little Xi'an. Mm-hmm. I think that's worth noting. Yeah, Big Xi'an asks, so what's your name? Oh, it's Xi'an, is it? Huh. Big Xi'an. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And now you have access to the Milsho world map, and you really can't go anywhere at all because we're busy laying low. The only area we could go to is the Debray Mine, and when we get there, an old crank named Aizen Magus tries to run us off, but when he discovers we aren't with Utik, he's friendlier. And uh, it's very funny, because he tells you the story about how Utik has been strip mining this place and ruining everyone's livelihood, and then you immediately go into his house and blow up all his boxes and take his money. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Good crane puzzle here, also. Oh, love Is it, it a puzzle? Yeah! Kind of. No, it's not really a puzzle. It's a, it's a task. It's like a Zelda sure. puzzle yeah. task. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know if you could actually miss hitting the boxes. Yes, oh, you can miss hitting the boxes. You can. Yeah. Okay, because I've done it. I did it twice because I did it once and then forgot to save and then turned it off. And then I went back to my save and just did it again. And I hit it both times without any problems, like not even trying very hard. I was so excited when you didn't have to pick them up and you just blow them up immediately. I love blowing yeah. stuff up in this game. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Eisen warns us that we're bound to have a problem, though, because his granddaughter went to check on that green ship, but Utik wasn't far behind. And he says, make sure you tell her she stops fighting, by the way. And that's when the mine entrance explodes and caves in. And then he tells you that Utik killed his son, Tesla, and that his daughter, Mai, believes that Tesla, also her dad, yeah. lives on in his auto tech. A loophole, which is just what blew up the entrance with some dynamite while skirmishing with the troops and also is going to blow try to blow you up a lot. But don't worry about it. Tell her to come home. Dinner's ready. Uh, this dungeon is quite literally crawling with very tanky gnosis. These Love things to have 100% G resist. Yeah, these things are. These are gnosis? Uh, what? Yeah. No, no, no. These I'm, guys are bio, actually. These are bio. Yeah. Oh, are they bio? Okay. They're, they're incredibly tanky Gnosis-esque things. That's why it's so funny when you do the next snap on them. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can you do the next snap on, on non-humans? I thought you could only do it on humans. <gasps> I guess it I didn't... human only. Oh, I thought it was bio only. I yeah, didn't try it, but only. I imagine... It's very funny when you do it to Mai and her head is like below your arms. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The oh, models just I don't line up. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely cracked her neck like three times. <laughs> The thing, the thing that we may have mentioned in passing, but let's just really call out one of the single best break skills against any human opponent is Ziggy just getting behind them and snapping their neck, no matter who they are, and telling them to die. Like his voice line is die, <laughs> or Shion doing like the judo throw where they she just slams their head into the ground. He's just giving Maya like a bunch of CTE and permanent neck injuries. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. The future needs football players, girly. <laughs> you would think, oh, yeah, you're going to fight a bunch of Utic people here. But no, you're going to run into them nursing their wounds because Mai has straight up booby trapped this place with dynamite and sector robot on them. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the dimensions of this place. A lot of this mine has stalactites and stalagmites full of chests or that open other paths. You're like shattering them down from the ceiling or you're Ugh, blowing and them you up get a bring... two for one because yeah, you blow yeah. them up and then they fall down and then they explode again fucking rocks <laughs> it's really fun yeah mm-hmm. and they make a mm-hmm. great sound when they hit the ground 
Yeah, some of them are like a glass-like mineral that shatters. Others are just like... Head a few layers deep into some side tunnels and you will find Segment Address 1 containing an accessory that's made for Shion or Momo. Witch's Eye. 300 HP up, 50 EP up, and plus 50 break limit. Incredibly good to just sturdy up one of your casters. Yeah, rocks. Near the end... Another wounded group of soldiers will mention they lost to, but did some real damage to, the auto-tech the girl had. Bet if you hit that arm some more, it'll come right off. And proceed to take an incredibly sick zip line across the deepest portion of the mine and get treated to some mechs flying by while you cross. It is so, so long. I got so bored. Is. Oh, no, I fucking loved it. I loved it the whole time. All right, so... Later period, more recent Monolith Soft has developed a reputation for being some of the best in the biz at beautiful vistas. That didn't really start until Xenoblade Chronicles 1. But here, when we did the zipline, I got that like that Breath of the Wild and Xenoblade Chronicles 1 just like, ah, oh, beautiful vista feeling. It's I love it. You can like tilt left and right on it for no reason. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There might be a mini game involving this. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like it tells you, okay, you can accelerate and you can slow down. And I played around with that because I'm like, oh, does that mean I'm going to have to like try to drop off this at a specific point? And then it turns out you don't. And I'm like, why do they even bother telling me this? Hmm. It is so long, though. It made me think of that like curse something awful zipline designed to kill you. Yeah, the kid mm-hmm. murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, the funny thing is, on the other side, there's a lift to another zip line that takes you all the way back, and it's, like, really oh. tall. Oh, no. I was like, am I going to get some treasure? And I was like, no! <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, uh, if you want to backtrack, they built an in-universe way to do that. Yeah, you spent five whole last minutes on zip lines. Very mad about it. Uh So the party theorizes when they land that the last one we saw flying by, which looked pretty rough, is loopholed, and they rush onwards. Unfortunately, we step outside and meet a hyper-defensive Mai who thinks that Junior is a child hostage and that we have killed her grandfather to get this far. So she calls in loopholed, and... It's so funny. She's like, yeah. your granddad says to come home. <gasps> you saw him. You must have killed him, you freaks. <laughs> it's so she's so stubborn and so oblivious. <laughs> I love her. Like, this is a boss battle based out of a misunderstanding with a teen. It's so she's, good. She's really like another Shion, is what mm-hmm. it is. That's her well, deal. Hey, yeah. you're about to find out why. Right. So yeah, Mai is especially with her mech companion beside her, a definite successor to in like production order, but kind of ancestor of maybe in timeline order to Maria of Xenogears. And that makes Loophold a lot like a miniature Siebzane, uh, which is her gear in Xenogears. It's not like a 100% resemblance, but the mech and the grandfather, who is basically like Balthazar from Xenogears, but just in three dimensions, it's definitely meant to be a knowing callback to Maria. And, you know, it's God. Uh, what a like it this is l- a brief episode in the sprawl that is Xenosaga 3 but it's just like immediately so much yeah. rad characterization here so the first thing that you want to do in this boss battle where we fight them both at once so Mai is a human and Lupo is a robot and 
if you use rare steel against Mai, you can steal the uh, Kajik necklace, which is an accessory that gives increased ether healing to the wearer, meaning that you can use it to really beef up the designated healer. I don't know why I forgot to steal from Mai and not Loophold. Uh, God, Loophold is it's just like, an ether pack. I know! Yeah. I failed the rare steel action like five turns in a row with Xion before it actually popped. It made this battle take so much longer to steal this thing. And it was like yeah. the whole time I was like, oh, this this proves my don't steal from bosses philosophy. Well, uh, I did it once and it made it more boring. You can give everyone a rare steel now that you have the skill key, which might be worth. Oh, yeah. That way you can just possible. get it done in a round, you know? Right, right. So. When both bosses are alive, Leupold is the much larger threat. He's much harder to break. He hits much harder because he's a robot, not a teenage child, and mm-hmm. has, I think, has more HP as well. No, they have the so, same 6,000 HP. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, never mind then. Weird that Mai has this much HP. So what you want to do is blitz him down with Thunder and Ice, which he's weak to, and then when you get him to about a quarter of his health, he will lose an arm. Mai then buffs both of their defense in an attempt to keep him alive. But you still want to finish the robot off because once Lupold dies, Mai loses her 100% immunity to heat and casts offensive. So she switches from a uh, tanky role to an offensive powerhouse and you can then cast heat and let your tank absorb it so that she doesn't just like wreck fools difference is that Mai is a little human girl, and so Xion will smash her break gauge, and then also Ziggy's choke moves smashes her break gauge, but also totally smashes just, like, the character model collision at the same time. (laughs) So, taking her down when she doesn't have a wall of metal between you and her becomes an extremely quick proposition if you can keep people healed up. This is the first boss in this game so far that has felt like a war of attrition that I was, like, kind of slogging against doing small damage numbers to. I don't have too much elemental ether attack power in my party right yet. And so like burning Leupold down with thunder and ice took a long ass time, especially when Xion was stuck stealing for five turns. I did this in the reverse order and it was trivial because like at, at like 25% of my health, Leupold will do a thing where it will do the AOE missile attack every time you attack her. But, uh, that didn't matter because I had gotten her into break with the um, ground slam from Xion. And then Jin was the person who coincidentally got all the finishing strikes. So he was at level four and then just one shot her. And Damn. then Loophold is extremely easy if Mai never does any buffs. And he also stops doing the missile for some reason. So just burned her down very fast. And then it was like extremely trivial. Hmm. I have never done that in reverse. So good to know. Yeah, I can you steal anything from Leopold? Uh, an ether pack. Yeah, it's an ether pack is the rare and there's yeah, a normal okay. drop, but no standard steel. Ether packs okay, are worth yeah. 2500. That's 500. That's 5G vaccines worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just forgot to steal from cuz I originally had Shion in my party through the dungeon and when this you know, I I wanted her in there because she has those party-wide buffs, but I eventually swapped her out and then I forgot that I should have tried to steal. So I ended up stealing the thing from Mai, but Leopold was already dead <laughs> at that point. I'm very bummed that I forgot to steal from Mai, but remembered to steal from Leopold. <laughs> Oops. Got the bad yeah, item the, for sure. The, the funny thing 
about this fight is that it says that I thought when you hear the Utic soldiers say, oh, the left arm is nearly broken yeah. on the robot, I thought you were going to have to want to target a body part. And that's not really how it works. It's just kind of a thing that happens where sometimes the arm breaks and then he doesn't mm -hmm. do some of his attacks. Yeah, 25% health. Yeah. It hinted towards more mechanical depth than there actually is. Mm -hmm. Well, there's good interplay because the fight works pretty differently sure. depending on who you kill first and like how much damage you do to each one. Because I could imagine a situation where like I had gotten um, Loophole down enough to buff my then killed my first and then had an extremely hard time with Loophole, right? So like mm -hmm. there are a lot of different ways the fight can shake out based on how much you damage who and yeah. what order you kill them in. Yeah. I thought it was also notable that Mai's weapon is Ito's boom hammer from uh, Battle Angel Alita. Mm. <laughs> it is literally like a rocket-powered hammer. Yeah. So at this point, after the battle, Mai just goes, well, just fucking kill me already. And <laughs> Junior and Chaos keep insisting, no, no, really, seriously, we didn't even damage the robot permanently. We just, you know, disengaged him. and. She just gets sick of this shit and just goes off on her until eventually Aizen, the grandfather, comes out and bemoans how this kid is going to be the death of him. And then Mai Sundarily tells the party, well, go fuck off and find your friends then. Leave us alone. And then Shion uh, rejoins the crew. So there's a fun little exchange here where Junior says, uh, geez, she's just as stubborn and as aggressive as a certain someone we know, right, Shion? Get their <laughs> fucking like, ass. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you looking at me? I just the self-righteous, sick of this shit, scoldy, angry Shion is one of my favorite of her little like character quirks. And so I always mark out whenever it comes back because it mm -hmm. it emerges so rarely that I'm always like, oh, did they forget about like angry bossy Shion? It's like, nope, here she is. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, no, but the, also the thing that <laughs> very funny for it to be junior that says yes, this. That's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, Junior is always the one who points this shit out, and it's just like, dude, mirror much? <laughs> Junior is the least self-aware character in our entire party, though. Even more than Absolutely. Oh, for the record, I did not think Ziggy was very cool until I did Ziggy's special attack, which fucking rocks when he pulls out the giant bazooka. Oh, yeah. Yes. Big fan. Oh, yeah. We've called it out before. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I just wish it did extra damage to machines or something because it doesn't have any extra properties. It's just like a super heavy attack. <sighs> well, it mm -hmm. does heavy break, like multi hit break. Does it? And because it's multi hit, it's extremely good in back attacks like Jin's because you can crit on every individual right. hit. That's interesting. Yeah, because the funny thing about it, like some attacks, they say this is a break attack. Like I know the special attack for chaos says it's a medium attack with break yeah. or like a or it's a high break attack it does not save that for for ziggies which is interesting so every attack does some break and the ones right. that say they are break attacks do lower damage but this is like a middle on both yeah i wish they signaled that a little better because otherwise unless you're playing around with it or going out of your way to try everything you're probably not going to even notice that Shout out to how Ziggy does a lot of damage with that stupid ether attack. <laughs> so inside the limestone cavern is indeed the Elsa. And everyone is very glad to see our party 
But when Shion asks if they've seen our missing robot friend, the professor just goes, well, we recovered the ES units and Cosmos, but assistant number two, show her. Very funny to me that Alan (laughs) responds to this, by the way. Alan just (laughs) demoted to assistant number two. Not even called Alan. Scott gets called Scott. (laughs) Alan takes us to see the maintenance bay. And Shiat is like very horrified, even though this image on the screen makes it look like Cosmos is fine. But Cosmos Uh is sealed inside her maintenance coffin. Halfway through the cutscene, the display will start having her glowing red all over. And he says, we can repair her frame or mechanical parts, but the combat with Telos damaged her core. Once the black box is broken, there's nothing we can do. And uh, Shion insists that the Alan and Professor... The Alan? The Alan. Shion insists that Alan and the Professor and Scott are here, and Alan just cuts her off with, the only person who could restore her now is her designer. You know, the man she killed. Parentheses, also, the man here in the past. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as the space Catholicism is slowly starting to come back to Xenosaga after like a game and a half gone. You killed the Pope in the last game. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Besides the Pope, (laughs) as the. There's a literal holy war going on in the present day, Ryan. (laughs) listen i know it's just that xenosaga 2 didn't really focus on any of the catholicism of the catholicism it was just like focus on it but you did invade the vatican and have a war with them (laughs) okay Uh, and you definitely were called were asked to repent for your sins (laughs) all right yes well much like alan then this is what I propose. I propose that we nominate Alan to be the saint, the patron saint of taking L's. <laughs> I mean, he already is. Yeah, he's, right. he sure is. <laughs> we just need to canonize him. Good news. Yeah, it's very appropriate. Good news. The game is going to. <laughs> oh, it's no, very appropriate Alan, that I Alan took this next... L while talking about Alan. Alan's going to be the next testament. He's going to be yeah. the testament of L's. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that can break the cycle the different cycle of never fucking getting it wet. Alan, welcome to the Testament. <laughs> the, dr- the driest Testament. <laughs> the dry boy Testament. <laughs> Does that mean he only dry jacks it? What a... Very unfortunate for him. Why do you think he's so upset all the time? <laughs> no wonder he sounds so whiny. It's the constant gradle pain. My dude just taking things to selfies of the desert from last game and going, my boss got me like. <laughs> she, uh, Chief, it's just so raw. It's so raw. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, they really did censor the US version. <laughs> <laughs> We can't even dry dock, Chief? <laughs> so oh we cut God. to the Durandals Bridge. <laughs> I don't like Wait, the do idea people, of do dry dock. Do people wet dock? <laughs> <laughs> do you loop yeah. for uh, that? Uh? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I, have the, I, I have the answer, but I'm not yeah, going to explain that on the podcast. We okay. go into Mormon shit. Please don't. I'm going to cut it out. Anyway. No, my God, I'm not, not talking Mormon about the shit. Mormon Jesus. shit. I'm talking about regular docking. I say regular. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's submarines, yeah, dude. No, 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 no. A, a dry dock is where, like, a boat will be posted up when it is not seaworthy, when it's just, like, being in storage. I know what a dry dock is. Don't ruin my bit about docking. 
I thought you were actually. Oh no, God. I thought you I was were asking actually. Them, what, what will the- they do docking with each other? Okay. When you and the boys do some docking, it's, is it dry docking or not? Okay. Okay. I get it now. I really thought you didn't know what an actual dry dock was. That's why I was like, oh I'm my not going to talk about that on the podcast. Am I fucking mad? How dare you? <laughs> oh, fuck off. I've read a book. How is this the horniest episode we've had of Xenosaga yet? Uh, because we're not grossed God. out at the horny. Be- oh, this is why. Because it actually like opened with a tasteful horny scene. It did. I don't know that I would call some of that tasteful, but all right. I wasn't immediately. Okay, it's just repulsed. tasteful in context, but like right. the actual the scene itself seems pretty nice on yeah. the surface. Yeah, I was only repulsed later. Okay, <laughs> which is usually the case after sex, right? <sighs> <laughs> we cut to the future where the, on the Durandal's bridge, there's no record of the Elsa or our crew anywhere in the UMN touched universe, not even an accident log. Shelley suspects, but cannot confirm, that the entire hypersphere and our party along with it were converted to plank scale. We're in Everyone quantum trying mechanics to get that town. Krabby Patty recipe. <laughs> Ugh. Suddenly, there's a I'm UMN. sorry you're old. Dis- <laughs> do you know that they used to have adam west on that show that's one of the only <laughs> things i knew about it there you go mm-hmm. did they yeah wasn't he playing a washed up hero oh yeah 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 yeah. i forgot about merman see i i knew that much i was just young enough to enjoy a season or two baffling that it's still going I mean, that's because they only have to do so many episodes a year, and it's not a high count. They've gone between a year without a, I think. Despite having watched some SpongeBob, SpongeBob memes are the thing that make me feel most disconnected from the youth. I mostly know SpongeBob memes because there is a show I listen to where one of their producers will just fuck with them by spamming, ah, shit, SpongeBob took 40 Benadryl and ended up in Silent Hill, along with other things in the middle of their chat in the episode. (laughs) So I just think of that phrase every time. (laughs) Man, I should have smoked that shit. Yeah, very much the same energy. Oh, man, I shouldn't have smoked that shit. Now I'm plank scale inside the past (laughs) war crimes. Now I'm just imagining Junior looking at the camera, scowling with a joint in each hand. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, it took all my willpower to not make a joke when you talked about how Cerberus does blunt damage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're talking about we jokes. Look, I had interrupted the podcast a lot. Yeah, okay. Uh... Suddenly, there's a UMN call. They're hoping it's Junior, but nah, it's just Julie. I take it from your tone that something's gone wrong is her immediate response. (laughs) Yep. As the twins catch her up, she says she wasn't actually calling asking about our team. She sort of figures they've got things, you know, they're the universe-saving badasses. They can do whatever. Instead, she is informing them of government matters. Dmitry Yuryev's Salvatore faction and the Federation government have decided it's time to try and crush Ormus, and they're bringing the entire fleet, Merkaba in the lead, down on Mictum like a hammer. Yuli suspects that Yuriev is after an artifact that Ormus stole off of Lost Jerusalem that she calls the Eternal Circle, Zarathustra. So 
Remember that these three games are subtitled for Nietzsche works? If you have not read Thus Spoke Zarathustra, you may want to do that before we finish this game because, ha, hoo boy, pin, uh, put a pin in this eternal circle, Zarathustra, please. <laughs> However, Yuli doesn't really know what it is either, and she will keep researching. Wait, who do you think hasn't read Thus Spoke the Zarathustra? I was definitely going to say you, Mr. What's a Book. What? No, I read books all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I read like no. 20 books this year, homie. <laughs> Chris pretends like he doesn't read, but then actually reads and gives me shit for not reading. I'm just saying, I don't recall it being assigned episode uh, content on general intellect unit, so I don't trust you to have gone through it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why Yuli called is that hopefully the Kukai Foundation's 12 Zohar emulators and a squadron of ESs would uh, maybe be able to de-escalate a potential galactic war, you know, this, like, private ultra army. But without the Elsa and all of those robots and pilots, this whole plan is for nothing. You know, Yuli makes a lot of assumptions about how much we like her and what we'll do for her just because she started being a little nice to Momo. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. And she's right. <laughs> she's she's funding Junior, Jin, Ziggy, and Momo as basically a private Federation death squad. Look, I'm going to mm-hmm. do it because she's hot, but I don't have to be happy about it. <laughs> she can get it. It's true. Oh, my God. You're right. This is inexplicably the horniest episode. <laughs> what? Just wait. What? There's she's there's, got big MILF energy. Come there's on. There's actually more comments about this later. I just realized. I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> look, she's single. Um, and ready to mingle. <laughs> I'm uh, looking for a hundred-year-old robot. Maybe something that's got pistons everywhere. <laughs> If you would like to deal with Yuli Mizrahi, deal with UMN number 41629. Look, you, you better believe <laughs> that when, when his he... aftermarket dildo that flips out of the side of his arm. Motherfucker, you already <laughs> beat me to the ch- I was going to say, like, Ju- <laughs> Yuli definitely snuck in a few extra modifications on a, one of those uh, repair jobs that she did, you know, just for yeah. herself. Why does my finger extend? Matt, it wasn't just life extension surgery. <laughs> I was Bio. just gonna fucking say that. <laughs> oh, this motherfucker's stealing all the we jokes. We are the worst. <laughs> oh Ryan, God. this is why you should remember to rare steal because if you rare steal, <laughs> you'll get the joke first. <laughs> um. So it, once again, we have a plucky response from our heroes. It's just like we'll find them, and if then if we have to, we'll go slap that old man upside the head. Yes, I'm certain Little Master would love to be a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. Little Master Meaning- does love hitting old people, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, everyone looks old compared to him. True. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know what? I was thinking the other day about how funny it is to me that Xenosaga, is it okay that Momo is secretly a thousand-year-old dragon if the person that wants to fuck her is also secretly a thousand-year-old dragon? Look, only I, one of I've, them is the red dragon. It is real equal regardless. opportunity trope deployment there. Yeah, but it is... It, it, I, it, <laughs> Just pretend I they're still don't like fells. it. There, still don't like Look, it. No, that's worse. Like I mean, like, I mean, this this came up probably back in like 
the first game where like this universe raises a lot of very uncomfortable questions about what does it mean to be mature enough to consent and what kind of body do you need to be able to consent and are those things separable or not? Hey, right. I have a horrible thing to reveal to you, which is that I think you've all forgotten that Cosmos and Telos are roughly two weeks and uh, about five years old. Exactly. Uh And they're also non-human. Like, at least Momo's a teen. Uh, yeah, Momo, I don't. I don't want to say at least. That's not. No, thank you. <laughs> it it asks it asks these uncomfortable questions and then also provides creepy fan service in the same breath. And that's what is that's what's so like right mechanically about mandatory it. fan service. Yeah, <laughs> like you're a rube uh-huh. if you don't wear the swimsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like. The, the sexual politics of Xenosaga, not great. Pretty much really? always. Not not a single instance is it good. For mm-hmm. underwater combat, we need to increase my ballast, Xion. Mm-hmm. fucking Christ. <laughs> God damn it, now I'm thinking of Ken Bone and his goddamn beautiful submarines comment. What? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so, what, you know, Ken Bone, the, like, the mythical voter. Um, so, people found his Reddit and found that he had a uh, pregnancy fetish, and he called oh. pregnant women beautiful submarines. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, I'm not even mad. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm jealous. I never thought of that. I, see, okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, it's very thing. funny. It's even worse when you realize why he came up with that. So meanwhile, Xion is dreaming in a pose that smacks of depression. Shocking. <laughs> Her younger self watches as a young man prepares to operate on Fibronia and Virgil. And for some reason, when she wakes up, Xion realizes that, wait, that young man is not Jin, which makes absolutely no fucking sense because nobody thought this. Yeah, what was that about? It feels like, is it trying to explain that Shion just didn't recognize Kevin because she needs to be surprised. It's like she just has a blind spot about Kevin, except for when it's related to her robot. I I don't know. It's real weird. I just wanted Mm -hmm. to call it out. Yeah, I noticed it too. And I'm like, nobody thought that. Jin's standing right there and he didn't think that. (laughs) He doesn't, they don't look alike at all. Yeah. You know Jin would have said something like, damn, I did look good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of new equipment at the shops if you'd like to buy anything. Finally, because, like, it's been a while. So You could buy new gear at the start of this episode, Matt. No, I thought, well, you, th- that was because you didn't buy anything the previous round. I went to buy stuff at the beginning of this, and I'm like, I have everything already. Oh, that's true. I didn't buy anything last time, huh? Yeah. But you're told by Momo, who is in the room, and says, hey, everyone's in the, they call it the gun room. I thought it was yeah. just the laboratory, but it's called the gun room. Uh-huh. You're told to go down there to talk to some people who are hanging out down there. 
So you go down to the professor's lab to resume the story, where you'll walk in on Junior's shocked expression of saying, the vessels of anima are gone? Whoops, somebody accidentally stole all our spines. <laughs> <laughs> but to make matters worse, our time travel is causing side effects on the region. And this is the most bullshit explanation thing like that I mentioned before. The professor says, we shouldn't be here at all, and it's causing latent heat energy to build in this area. If we let it keep going, it'll almost certainly end in destruction. Oh, and Junior <laughs> replies, destruction of what? And the professor says, the universe. What? Or at least this region of space. I don't know. This is dangerous. Just let's be concerned about it. But the way we have to deal with this, at least we think he's going to have to deal with it, is to contain it using some type of barrier. and. Somehow using that, they should be able to return to the present? I don't, I don't know. This doesn't really connect at all. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the point of this? You could just say we need to leave the past because we have stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, like the idea that it needs a sciencey explanation. You don't need a sciencey way to get out of it. You just magically no. got here. Just magically leave later. Also, <laughs> we, this is the second time we have to deal with a barrier around a place, right? Because we already had to deal with that with Ren Le Chateau. Oh, there's this big barrier around this land. We got to go through well, the barrier. This is different because that one had a barrier and now you need a barrier. Mm-hmm. I know, but it's like, ugh. If you imagine this was part of a segment of a different game that was split off, this probably builds up slower the professor going, I don't know where we are. What's going on here? We're having to research. And then you'll come back after exploring the city. And then you do the. If it's not shotgunned beat after beat after beat, I can see this being the longer we stay here, the hotter it gets. And then, but no, it's just like, hey, 20 minutes after arrival, uh, we've nearly murdered a little girl. And it turns out we're making everything too hot. I can't believe Monolith Soft knew about climate change and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get reduced to plank scale and get out of here. God. Uh, yeah, a lot of this just doesn't, like, you don't see any representation of this heat energy, or at least in this moment, right? Like, it just feels like a nothing pulled out of nowhere. And yeah. It feels bad. Yeah. But the bottom line is, without the vessels of Anima, the ESs are basically you know, useless because they don't have access to the ultimate power source that is the Zohar to power them. And Cosmos is all fucked up still. So we have, other than Ziggy, we have, (laughs) and Momo, I guess. Ziggy is definitely not Cosmos tier. No, but I'm saying like robot support. There is limited robot support. Okay, okay. Yeah. Afterwards, Ellen, deciding that he needs to feel bad, goes and talks to Xion. And she's standing over Cosmos, angsting about it hard. Will you ever wake up again? Will you ever say good morning to me again? Reminding me about that awful scene where the... <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that. And then it, boy, not one of the greatest scenes in Zeno Saga. <laughs> it's one of the few scenes where it's about her being a human, her being Cosmos, right? Like, there's no other scene where they interact in a way that feels like it's faking being a human. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking of the one where Shion and Kevin are talking to oh, each I other. Oh, I know. Oof. Ellen suggests they'll figure out how to fix her when they get back to the modern day. Vector built one of hers, so they probably have some ideas for this. 
And then Xi'an begins asking about, so if the Bilshig conflict is going to happen in a few days, should we do something? <laughs> Alan sympathizes, saying everyone wishes they could turn back time and undo things, but meddling seems incredibly poorly thought out when there are so many unknowns, even though we just did so immensely. They both agree she should probably rest some, but while Alan suggests, yeah, maybe you should sleep, her idea is, oh, what, no? I mean, I'm going back into the city to hang out with myself and where nothing bad has ever happened and that I might try and stop. Alan insists that if she's not going to stay in the ship, he's coming with because there is literally a skirmish going on between Federation and UTIC troops right now, and she's heading out to hang out in the DMZ. Yep. On their way to the city, the two come upon the wreckage of a UTIC APC, and they hide as a second shows up to investigate. The thing that nearly gets them in trouble is when the man in charge turns out to be Suo Uzuki, Shion's daddy. Boo. He orders the men to retrieve the data from the bodies. The Federation soldiers were thorough. We can't even use the beds anymore. And incinerate everything afterwards. Everyone leaves for incineration supplies, and Xion begins digging through the corpses, going, Hey, I can forge us some fake IDs. Sick. Now, realizing that he has just showed up at the head of a UTIC transport, and her father is in way deeper than she ever realized as a child, her new goal is, I'm going to follow him to Labyrinthos and see what's up. She steals a uniform, tells Alan, Hey, if you're coming with, you'd also better do that and the two head for the city. Xi'an now looks like a hot office lady from a porno, and Alan yeah, looks does. like a Renfair cosplayer because <laughs> the male the male <laughs> admin uniform has real puffy tunic energy. <laughs> yeah, he does look like a guy a guy who's in the bar and says, would you like some mead? <laughs> Chief, this turkey leg is delicious. <laughs> look, I hate that turkey legs are delicious. They're never worth the line. The line for turkey legs at Ren Fairs is always at least four times the line for any other food. Just get a fucking ye old corn dog and eat it. I am always going to go for the pickle. Oh, turkey yeah, legs. Pickle. Turkey isn't even that good. The reason turkey legs are good is because they're cooked poorly and covered in grease. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we now have access to more of the world map. Behind a gate with the code 5150, uh, I'm cheating and giving it to you, are the prayer beads, used later for Jin's ultimate weapon, and to the far east of the city is a chest with Junior's swimsuit. Enjoy upgrades. It would be the prayer beads for Jin. <laughs> I, I, I wonder yeah. if the 5150 is an Eddie Van Halen reference. Well, I, I want know. it to be, because, I mean, if, if you didn't know, that's like the model of one of his signature amps. I definitely would not know that in any way, Matt. But would the <laughs> Japanese, Chris? If his last name wasn't Van Halen, I would have no idea who you were talking about. <laughs> when we enter the city, there are UTIC troops everywhere. The Federation's front line is 20 kilometers away, and everyone's on edge since the feds can't use their grunt realians here. See, the Song of Nephilim is currently stored in the city, meaning it would drive them insane. There are civilians, everyone, since Labyrinthos is surrounded by a capital city full of innocence. And to make matters worse, the Zohar itself is somewhere on the planet, meaning they can't just go orbital bombardment. In short, we've walked into the middle of a Cold War that we know is about to go hot. And they sell the vibe super well if you run around and talk to some people here. Like, it's really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But that's questions for another time. Right now, we're heading to a save point and coming back in two weeks. Did we do anything interesting with our parties? Not really. I mean, it's like everybody's in their role, but I do a lot of hot swapping. The thing that it's... I. EP regeneration items are expensive in this game and you don't find that many in the field. And so because both tech attacks and ether spells use EP, I end up swapping because my people are running out of points more than anything. I definitely let people get killed on purpose sometimes. That way I can use uh, some of the items that I have like 30 of that bring them (laughs) back to life with full health and EP. (laughs) Works out pretty good. The seven sisters, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's the other one that can turn you into crystals, but everyone has 100% G resist, so it doesn't happen. They're like 300 each. They're dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. I have been developing everyone. We're about four lines in on their main, and I've picked up a couple of the EX skills now. That seems very far in. I told you I grinded out uh, Junior and Chaos's special attacks last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to I had to bring in Ziggy because Cosmos is gone, but I'm still doing exactly the same old where everyone just goes really ham. And it turns out that the double attacks are extremely busted when combined with quick because you get a boost gauge for each hit and then you can do it so often. That's very good. Yeah, I've got everyone at a minimum of level three special. That's where I'm at. Shion and Jin are like Shion is at like six now. Shion just keeps getting most of them. Because I don't use, I, I don't swap. I'm still at two for everybody, but I haven't done any grinding. I don't swap at all, and also I have killed every single person I come across. Mm. And I'm not going to waste any on Ziggy because I'm not planning on using Ziggy long term unless right. the game forces me to. So and Cosmos is gone, so just Xi'an and Jin have a lot. Mm-hmm. So to put how much of a problem Chris and I have in perspective. Level three requires that character to have done kills with 15 special attacks. Hmm. Level six requires 60. <laughs> oh my God. Look, you g- I'm telling you that when you are using quick and the double attack every turn, you get like two to three finishing strikes a battle. It's right. wild how fast you get boost doing that. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is that... And- And I'm also doing the sicko shit of not using the weaknesses. That way I get more hits and more boost gauge and more skill points. Mm. One or the other of us is going to hit level 25 on someone. And I just don't know when I'm not. I'm not really trying to get the special attacks up. I'm just trying to maximize my skill points because I like putting points into a menu. Mm -hmm. Same. Nothing makes me more excited than looking at the skill menu after every battle. I I didn't like I've not been able to figure out how to get multiple per battle unless, like, the enemies are really tanky. You missed what I said, Matt, which yeah. is that double attacks give you boost for each hit. So, like, Jin's twin uh, okay. slash gets you two attacks oh. worth of boost. And okay. now that now that you've leveled up, quick turns out to not be bad, but is good. And you have enough speed now that combined with it, you get extra turns, which is how I'm mm. getting two to three finishing strikes a battle now. Yeah, because I was able to get two in this dungeon just because the the monsters there are so tanky. But like with the humans, I kill them too quickly, even if I was just doing regular attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Like for most of this area, I was running with Xion Jr. and Jin because I knew that they were bio creatures. So I was using Junior's finishing strike, trying to build that up, you know, absorbing the souls. But it didn't end up 
doing that much. And like in the main battle, I thought the boss fight was pretty fun, but not very threatening. And uh, yeah. I, I, I ended up like swapping people around, but I felt like I was playing towards something, but it always feels like I'm trying to like crunch the numbers in my head to be like, okay, I want to break the boss and I want to have enough damage on it and have an, like m- enough boost on hand once the boss is broken that I can just burn them completely down and get the finishing strike. And I was able to get that on Leopold, but I wasn't able to get that on my, like I just missed it again. And I was like, screw it. No big deal. And just kept rolling. But yeah, I'm still doing the like attack until I get one finished strike every battle. And I usually try to use that on the, the biggest enemy there. I mean, does the bonus also give you extra skill points? I thought that was yeah. only EXP and money. No, it's skill points. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because I, I feel like like when we've talked about it, y'all are like ahead of, at least Chris specifically, is ahead of me on skill point growth. Because I'm still like, I'm starting to get in the middle of level two, like the second specialized level. Oh, I'm almost, um, I'm like halfway done three. <laughs> oh yeah, you're way ahead of me. I, I don't, That that's interesting. Because I, I still feel like, I'm waiting until the boost gauge opens up a lot so I can play a lot more with boost related skills or skills that that earn that. But I don't feel like I'm building enough boost fast enough to even do that. So I'm I still feel like I'm in semi tutorial mode. I think the other thing, too, I'm getting is that I'm not wasting any turns healing anymore because my new strategy is just using these revive items all the time whenever someone dies. So all of my turns are just attacking. I mean, I usually don't heal in battle until afterwards with items or ether because unless you're about to die, there really isn't a point in healing at all. Right. Because you could just power through and, yeah, you save your turn usage for stuff that'll help you progress further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, like, in terms of this, like, section of the game, it was very weird for me. Like, this whole cave and the my thing felt like it didn't belong at all, like, story-wise, thematically. Like, what is it even doing here? It feels like it's transplanted out of something else. Like, this would be, like, a filler episode of an anime. Well, I, I think it does a good job highlighting the, pro, like, the inherent... It's not just that Utic is trying to, like, destroy the government and the universe or whatever, right? They're also causing a ton of misery on the ground, is, I think, what we get at is, like, what here's another issue with Utic. I yeah. mean, do we need another issue with Utic? They're already pretty bad. <laughs> I think it I think it does uh highlight something. I I I think that Chris has something there in that we don't really get a people's perspective on the situation on the ground and a situation of the world state a lot. Yeah, we're hobnobbing with the elites most of the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. nice there. And honestly, like the, this this is one of the few things that makes this game feel like it's part of the JRPG as JRPG lineage of like being yeah. transplanted to a forest and mine dungeon and yeah, you know exactly. helping out problems with the locals like and I honestly liked that because Xenosaga 3 is so pedal to the metal, you know, full throttle let's get to the end of the story all the time. Having a little pacing change was really pleasant for me. Like, honestly, that would have landed better for me if this were, like, a town with, like, multiple, like, say, two or three families that all are having problems with UTIC or the Federation or the conflict of the two. Well, that's kind of what it is. That's what they're going for, right? You arrive at a village and you solve their problems, but it's done at Xenosaga 3 pace, which is nice because, to me, that's the best of both worlds. 
where you get to have this like little like breather and learn more about the world, but it doesn't take four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like you could easily like not in terms of gameplay and stuff, but like you could cut this, and I oh, feel sure. like it wouldn't hurt the story at all. Personally, it just felt well, really. It was the most. It was the most like what felt like transplanted thing. Oh, you mean just the mind part? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, the forest and the story stuff in the past and the church, that's all fine. I think just the mind part, you could easily, it just feels like it's almost left over from a completely unrelated game. I guess, but you could say that about any dungeon in any video game that isn't the middle of the game or the final boss dungeon, right? I guess. I don't know. I, I felt like, is the point of going to the past that we're exploring the past of these characters or these interactions or what is, you know, any of that stuff? Or are we talking about people who are definitely clearly dead <laughs> because the whole planet blew up or whatever? Like, what is the point trying to come across? And then we go right back from that into we're hanging out with Xion's dad and infiltrating Utech, uh, and mm. it just feels very out of place. Real talk, I'm glad that there are only three Xenosagas and not six, because imagine going to Labyrinthos four more times. <laughs> They wouldn't. I don't know if they would do it four times. They I would feel like they do would. It twice. It's every game. Mm-hmm. Is it literally every game? Is that a labyrinth? Wait, wait, no, we didn't go in two, and I'm conflating that with a place that you go to called Labyrinthos in Final Fantasy 14, which also <laughs> made me mad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we hit it no, enough. We, real we quick, did but... go there in two. We didn't go there in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Did we I was go thinking. there in one? Isn't that that big ass building with the um inside? Oh no, that's not the. I was thinking I was conflating that with the building in um cathedral ship with the cubicles and stuff. Right? Yeah, no. I don't think we hit it enough, but I just wanted to highlight like how dynamic this boss is. It's like up there with yeah. the ship battle in Xenosaga 2. Like a lot of really good dynamics that I think was really excellently done. Mm. Turns out the planet Milsha brings out a lot of great combat design. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, I just it's I feel the opposite to Matt. I really loved this entire section uh, a lot. And it, it's, I, I'm just, it's interesting. Our reactions yeah. are interesting. It's, it's very weird too, that in terms of layout, we're still on the very simple dungeon layout, you know, very linear, pretty much n- almost no puzzling in it at all <laughs> compared to the last <laughs> game, which was a thousand percent puzzling. <laughs> <laughs> So I take it that's going to change, Sybil? Is that what I'm getting hey, from you? Hey, you know how we have three episodes blocked out for one of the late game dungeons? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll look forward to that. Let's do commercials. Let's get out of here. Matt, what do you have to share with the listeners? Boku no Stop, our anime pair of podcasts. There's the free one where we're talking about Monster, and there's the premium one where we're talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. And listen to them. They're a lot of fun. Both are good shows. They're fine, I guess. <laughs> They're both very different shows, despite having pretty much the same name. <laughs> the big change is one has Sybil. <laughs> well, John is also on the other one. I would say one has good shows and one has like trashy shows. Usually. But is that true? Jujutsu Kaisen isn't trashy. Okay, G Gundam was very trashy. Black G Gundam was trashy. Okay, Black Lagoon isn't trashy. I don't know. It's very good. The part where they fucking ramp the boat off and shove a missile into a helicopter while yelling, fuck you, fucking great. <laughs> hey, remember when they did that in the live action Cowboy Bebop? 
No, I didn't oh, watch no. it because Cowboy Damn. Bebop sucks. Here comes the ouch, motherfuckers. <laughs> Welcome to the ouch, motherfuckers. I knew you would correct me. Uh, Trap sprung. <laughs> Listen, is that I, really a line in that fucking That's a yes. real line. That's Faye. Yes, Faye oh, says, no. Welcome to the ouch, motherfuckers, which I, o- it's, yeah, I only That's... corrected it because welcome is so much worse than here comes. The best part just... is, <sighs> this is not even the worst line from a woman in that series. Oh my God. When he stubs his toe, is he called Oucho Marks? <laughs> no! <I'm> sorry. <laughs> he has to put on bigger glasses to express surprise. But, like, I would have been the guy that would have watched the live action just to watch it, but I think I'm gonna pass. Yeah, you don't respect point. your time at all, buddy. Well, I, I know. I, I've already set myself up to watch all of Legend of Galactic Heroes this year. Uh-huh. No, that's a good use of your time. Actually, yeah, that's <laughs> it takes a lot of takes a lot of time, though. Yeah, but it fucking rocks. Unlike mm-hmm. all the other things you do. <laughs> <sighs> After you're done with that, you can watch the Western equivalent, The Americans. Oh, uh, shit. I am three seasons. I am three seasons into that. There you go. You know that part where you're supposed to sympathize with a collaborator was so bad that I stopped watching the show despite only having seven episodes left. Uh, oh, I I haven't gotten that far. Oh. Just, oh, that's all. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, that that makes sense to me, but I, oh, I love So it. bad. I love that last season. I'm not going to say shit. anything. Look, it was great, but then... The show remains mm-hmm. smart. Anyway, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'll say. But it's been so long, I forgot everything that happened, so I couldn't possibly. Yeah, it's okay. You can listen to some music that I make at SoundCloud, uh, Catastrophizer, and on Bandcamp, there's a band that I'm in with my friend Nick, Cannon and Tavarian.bandcamp.com. Shoutouts to Nick, I guess. I don't know why, why so I was so tickled about that. that. Uh, no, I was so <laughs> tickled that you said Nick, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because, because Nick usually doesn't get a mention. Yeah, That's true. That's it. That's really it. Just building the backstory of Riot as we go. <laughs> You could listen to Riot and I's podcast, Icons and Icons, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. You can hear about how I actively troll everybody and try to wipe the party in dungeons. That's all until next time when we'll be talking about Milson Exploration, stopping when we're forced back to the Elsa where we save on the first floor and do nothing else. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. Yeah. And wait for tomorrow.